0: for joining us on another episode of the Key Life Fellowship Men's Bible Study Podcast, taught by Pastor Kirk Hall. We pray that through this podcast that you would grow in your grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. At this time, please open your Bibles and follow along as the Holy Spirit unveils God's truths to your heart. You guys get ready. We are going to open our Bibles, keep those Bible's handy, but we're going to be traveling through this, we are, as you know, maybe you know, maybe this is your first time, but we are looking at this series uh, entitled Beyond Calvinism, the Biblical Doctrines of Grace. We've been talking about those doctrines. We looked at God's sovereignty to begin with because, as I told you, I think so many times that's where the, the rails come off the track. People don't really understand the depths of the sovereignty of God. So we established that doctrine, and then we looked at man's total depravity, our inability, that we, in and of ourselves, are completely sinful, we are spiritually dead, we are alienated and cut off from a holy God, and unless God intervenes, we are in deep trouble. And then we looked at God's sovereign election, or what we called His sovereign grace, uh, that it's God and His grace that has elected us unto salvation, and we talked about how Um, that election is unconditional. Meaning this, God chose based on his foreknowledge, the fact that you were foreknown in eternity past to save the elect. And there's nothing you can do to change that. Um, Nothing you can do to earn that, nothing you can do to forfeit that. In the appointed time, uh, the elect will believe Uh, they will be saved. And I'm thankful for that. I'm so thankful that I wasn't kind of saved or hypothetically saved. I was sure saved through the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Bringing us to the next thing that we looked at, definite atonement, what many in error, I believe, call limited atonement. There's no limit to it at all. Uh, He actually atoned for exactly who he came to atone for. So we uncovered that and learned through that. Tonight, we're going to look at effectual calling or otherwise known as irresistible grace or efficacious grace. We're going to talk about that and death. But before we do, I want to read a section of the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. There in chapter 10, in the first article, you'll see this. It says, Those whom God hath predestined unto life, He is pleased in His appointed and accepted time, effectually, to call by His Word and Spirit out of that state of sin and death in which they are by nature, to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ, enlightening their minds spiritually, And savingly to understand the things of God, taking away their heart of stone and giving to them a heart of flesh, renewing their wills, and by His almighty power determining them to that which is good, and effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ, yet so as they come most freely, being made willing by His grace." goes on in that second article, and it says, This effectual call is of God's free and special grace alone, not from anything at all foreseen in man, nor from any power or agency in the creature, being wholly passive therein, being dead in in sins and trespasses, until being quickened and renewed by the Holy Spirit, he is thereby enabled to answer this call and to embrace the grace offered and conveyed in it and that by no less power than that was raised up Christ from the dead. Now, that is a Baptist confession. In fact, a Baptist confession made in 1689. And so when people try to convince you that the doctrines of grace are something new to Baptist ideology, you point them back to the fact that, no, Arminianism is something new to Baptist ideology. And so as we look at these things, we must be reminded that these are biblical principles. That's why we are calling them biblical doctrines of grace. You will find them all throughout Scripture. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, and if you look at the Westminster Confession of Faith in regard to the effectual call, you're going to see it's identical to what we just read from the London Baptist Confession of Faith. Westminster Shorter Catechism in this Many of you know how this worked. They would catechize their children, and their family, and what they would do it was in question-answer format. They would ask a question, and then they would expect that child, that family member, that wife, whoever was there around the table when they were catechizing, to know that answer. Why? Because they were devoted to sound doctrine. The Westminster Shorter it says this there in that catechism. Uh, it's actually question 31. What is effectual calling? I want you to understand what effectual calling is because we're going to see that it it is different from what we're going to talk about in a moment, the general call. But effectual calling, according to the Westminster Shorter Catechism and that question, what is effectual calling, the answer to that, wouldn't it be amazing to sit around your table at home and the dad to actually be the spiritual leader of his home to open the Westminster Shorter Catechism and ask his family, question 31, what is effectual call? Only to have his children answer back, effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit. Amen. Whereby convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our minds in the knowledge of Christ, and renewing our wills. He doth persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered to us in the gospel. That is what the children were being taught at the dinner tables back in the day. They weren't distracted by TV or handheld digital devices or toys. It would be that time where dads would sit and they would ask these things. That's why we live in an age now where many of the things we've been talking about are so foreign to people because they are so unbiblical in every aspect Of their lives. Yet they still want to argue these things with no foundational backing. John Murray, in a book entitled Redemption Accomplished and Applied, says this God's call, since it is effectual, carries with it the operative grace whereby the person called is enabled to answer the call and embrace Jesus Christ as he is freely offered in the gospel. So tonight, we will be discussing this at length and to detail why, biblically, we believe as these men and these writers believed in what we will refer to as the effectual calling. Meaning this, God has a special calling for the elect, and that calling is designed to produce the effect that God has already preordained to happen. So let's look at that. The important differences I want us to cover first between the general and the effectual calls. Many people get confused on this. In fact, there's much confusion and even division in the church about this in many theological circles uh, because people can't distinguish between these two different calls. They're very distinguishable. When we look at them in Scripture, in fact, before we end tonight, it will be very clear how distinct these two calls or callings really are. These people make this mistake, and when they make this mistake, trying to make a scripture that's talking about the effectual call be the general call, or a scripture that's talking about the general call be an effectual call, they run themselves into a wall of confusion. In fact, I would say this. It causes much problem in understanding the doctrines of grace. It causes much problem and division even among believers. And so we have to be careful of that, and we have to be careful to understand that. What is the effectual call? What is the general call? What are the, the differences? And so what we're going to do tonight, before we ever get started, is we're going to distinguish these two calls so that you can understand that. Because if we don't distinguish these two callings, watch how important this is. Pay attention to this. If we don't distinguish these two options, then you must proclaim that everyone will be saved. If I try to apply Scripture that's talking to about general calling to effectual calling or effectual calling to general calling, I will come to the conclusion that everyone potentially will be saved. I'm going to say that everyone who's generally called hears the gospel just like everyone else, and it should result in what God has Ordained the effectual call to result in. Now, we know this. Not everyone who hears a general call believes. And only the elect believe. And so there must be a distinctly different call that the elect receive. For instance, every Sunday morning, I preach the gospel. I share the gospel in some way, shape, or form. Sometimes that gospel falls upon people's ears, goes into their mind, and they reject that general calling of the gospel. Sometimes that general calling to repent and to turn to Christ goes into their ears, into their mind, awakens their dead souls so that they can repent and believe on Jesus Christ, producing the effect that it was designed to produce in the elect. The reason that we can look at the effectual call and say that it is irresistible because all of the elect will be saved. So we have to distinguish these two callings and make them very clear in order to avoid error. So let's look at Acts chapter 13. It's a very good example of this, one that we don't use, I believe, often enough, but we can see clearly that there are going to be two calls here there will be the general call, and there will be the effectual call, and then we'll talk about each one. It says this in Acts chapter 13, verse 38, therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. He's proclaiming that the only way to be forgiven is Christ. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. He's preaching again. An external, general call. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish. For I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas, verse 42, were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. And when the congregation was dismissed, Dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. We've not yet seen an effectual call here. Pay attention to what happened. They're giving the general call of the gospel. These people are listening to it. They're saying, we want to hear more about this. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Of course they did. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Watch what happened. They were giving the general call of the gospel. The general call of the gospel can be rejected. In fact, every time it is preached, many reject it. And be rejected. It is a general call that just goes into the ears and into the minds of man. Unfortunately, it goes into depraved ears and depraved minds. And Unless God intervenes with the effectual call, that person will continue in a state of rejection. He said, we had to speak the word of God to you first, since you, but since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. He said, we're going to preach this message to the Gentiles as well. I've made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, watch this. This is going to be something different. They didn't reject. Watch what it says. They were glad and honored the word of the Lord. They didn't say, I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to have some man tell me that I'm a sinner in need of redemption. They didn't say that. They honored the word of the Lord. And watch what happened next. And all who were, underline this in your Bible so that you get this, all who were appointed for eternal life believed. In that passage and many other passages in Scripture, we, we definitely can't exhaust all of them. We see that a person coming to salvation in Christ must hear a general call of the gospel. The gospel being preached, the gospel being proclaimed. And there also must be an effectual calling by God to that individual, we're going to see in just a little while, that was ordained before the foundations of the earth to come to Christ. That effectual call will produce God's desired result in that person. If we were to be honest with ourselves, many of us, before we were ever saved, generally heard the gospel. Some of you grew up in church, hearing the gospel week after week after week so much that you just turned it off. However, there was that one day where you were sitting there. And this time, the gospel wasn't just something that went into your ears and into your mind. It was something that God used to quicken your very dead soul to life. And in that moment, you were saved. So let's look at the differences between the general call and the effectual call before we get into the meat of this tonight. The general call is external. The effectual call is internal. Pretty simple, isn't it? Those of you who are saved in this room tonight, you were saved because of an internal call from God. though a man just like me might have been giving an external call as this was going on, there was an internal call going on inside of you. God was doing that work. The general call is not only external and the effectual call internal, but the general call is from humans. It is humans that give the general call. We who are in this room who have been entrusted to preach the gospel, every time we preach the gospel, we give the general call to repent of your sin and to turn to Jesus Christ as the only one who can forgive you of your sins. Now, when you preach that, does it sometimes fall on deaf ears? Yes. Those who have not been quickened to new life in Christ have no other option than to have deaf ears and blinded eyes. They are dead in their sins. So the general call is from humans. The effectual call, as we're going to see very clearly tonight, is from God. The general call is of God's common grace, but the effectual call is of God's saving grace. The general call is... Resistible. You can hear the gospel. Somebody preach it. You can say, I don't want to give up my life of sin. I want to hold on to what I like and what I enjoy. I, I'm, I'm never going back there and listen to that mess. Hell will be full of people who resisted a general call. There will be no one in hell who resisted an effectual call. All of those who will be called effectually, the elect, they will be with the, with the Lord face-to-face for all eternity because of this effectual call. Though the general call is resistible, the effectual call is irresistible. Many would say this, you mean to tell me that no one could resist or reject an effectual call? I won't say that because I don't see into that realm. What I will say is this, they will not ever finally reject that. There is no way possible because God has already predestined them to salvation. We're going to see when we get to Romans 8 in just a second. God has already set this thing in motion. There's nothing that you can do to stop it. That's why we could say the effectual call is ultimately irresistible. The general call is for all men, the whosoever, right? All men. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. General call goes out to all men. The effectual call is only for God's elect. We don't say that to be arrogant. In fact, we couldn't be arrogant about that. We didn't design this. God did. All we can do is be humble about it and say, thank you, Lord. You did effectually call me that the effect that you desired to save me was produced in my life monergistically by you and you alone. The general call can't regenerate sinners. can't. The general call is the message that God uses. But it can't regenerate sinners in and of itself. However, the effectual call quickens sinners to new life. Regenerating them by the Holy Spirit according to the foreknowledge and election of God in accordance with His perfect will. And so we've covered all these other doctrines up until this point in regard to the doctrines of grace. Do you see how they all build on one another? We start with God's sovereignty, and then we, we move to the fact in looking at God's sovereignty that man is cut off from him because he is holy and we are totally depraved. Yet he then, by his sovereign grace, elects us unto salvation, not based on anything that we could ever do. He elects us and who are the us? The sheep, the church, the called-out ones, the chosen ones of God. He elects us. And he atones only for us. We talked about that in definite atonement. Now, if he's done these things up until this point by his own will, surely he will carry that to completion. We have that promise in Scripture that he who has begun this good work in us will carry it unto completion. When did the good work begin? For many, they say, the day I was saved. No, my friend, listen to me. The good work began before you were ever born. It began in the mind of God. And the good work that he has begun in you, he will carry unto completion. We see this is the reason for the effectual call. It is God putting into effect his desires in sinful man. To understand this doctrine, we must... Definitely make a clear distinction between the general call and the effectual call. Just as in every interpretation of everything that we see in Scripture, when we come to a word, because you're going to come to the word call or calling many times in Scripture, you have to use the context of what you are looking at. If it is the general call that comes from the mouth of a human, repent and believe, that is the general call. If it is the call that we are going to see is all throughout Scripture for the elect that produces the result and effect of salvation, we're going to look at those effects in a moment so that you can be sure work out your own calling and election this evening. When we see it produce an effect, it is a God-born effect, we know this is the effectual call on our life. That God drew us unto Himself for salvation out of darkness. And into light. Pay attention to that. Total opposite ends of the spectrum. He didn't pull us out of limited light into greater light. He pulled us out of complete darkness into His marvelous glorious light. He does this by effectually calling us. So the important differences between the general and the effectual calls must be noted every time we look at this wonderful doctrine. second thing that I want you to see tonight is this. I want you to see the internal and invisible nature of the effectual call. Because we made this distinction, now what I want to do is I want us to just focus and hone in on the effectual call. What is this all about? What does it look like? I want you to see that it is internal. It's invisible. No one can see this going on. In fact, in John chapter 3, Jesus in his conversation there with Nicodemus in verses 1 through 8, he makes that very, very clear that this is a spiritual or inward call by the Holy Spirit. Look at John chapter 3 verses 1 through 8, a passage that should be familiar, but unfortunately people skip straight down to verse 16 and stay there. Look at Verse 1, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council when he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. Right? He had some general information already, didn't he? He saw the good works of Christ. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. He's still thinking carnal, not spiritual. Why? Because he hasn't been rebirthed. Natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit. Verse 5, Jesus answered, i tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born Again. Watch what he says about this new birth that comes because of the effectual call. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it's coming from. How many of you have ever seen the wind? None of you. You don't see the wind. You only see the effects that the wind produces. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. It is that internal, invisible effectual call that accompanies true new birth, or what we know as regeneration. Titus, in Titus chapter 3, Paul, verse 4, speaks on this. He says this, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done. Well, it wasn't because of righteous things we had done. Well, then how did He save us? Watch this. But because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. At the time of this inward invisible call, please know this, it is a spiritual and inward call. Why is it spiritual? Because it is enacted by the Holy Spirit. He enacts this call in those who are God's elect. And it produces a result. What is that result? Rebirth and renewal by that same Holy Spirit. That means this. You are internally reborn. Now, we could ask a simple question at this point in time. Did any of you have much say in your natural birth? No. What would make you think you would have much say or any say at all in your spiritual birth? Who did Paul tell Titus was doing the rebirthing? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit internally and effectually calling you to a new, renewed, regenerated life in Christ is a spiritual and inward call, but it's also a specific and special inward call. Not only is it spiritual, it's specific and it's special. Why is it specific and special? This is where people get mad at us because we're not afraid to say this. This call is only for the elect, those that God foreknew, and those that God predestined and elected unto salvation. How can we say that confidently? Because the effectual call produces the result of regeneration. And only the saved, the elect, will be regenerated unto new life in Christ. It's a special call. Don't don't water that down for people who don't want to understand that. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Don't let people look down on you or call you bad names or use the C word on you. Don't let them do that. Many of you are going, what is the C word? It's okay if you don't know what the C word is. I know what these doctrines are. Many people call you bad names because you say this. God had a special love and a special interest for me. Are you bad for saying that? Is it true that God set his specific affection upon the elect, his sheep? Oh, yeah. He always has. Did God set his special and specific love upon the nation of Israel? Upon his chosen people, many leaders from that chosen race did he? Yes, he did. Why? Is there no complaints going on about that? Because it doesn't personally affect your feelings, so you don't complain about it. This is a specific and special inward call only to God's elect. First Corinthians chapter one, we see here as we look at this in chapter one, verse twenty-six. Paul addresses a specific group. Watch who he's addressing. We can read the beginning of this book, and we know that he's addressing the brothers, the church. So how can one say, after we're going to read this in a second, that there is no specific life-changing effectual calling of the saints? Watch the call and the change that happens in the lives of the saints as Paul lays this out. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Now, we see that word call. What must we do? Is this a general call? Or is this an effectual call? We've got to make that distinction here in the context. Pay attention to the context. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were noble, of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before Him. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus. What call do you think this is? Boy, hasn't it produced effect. He goes on and he says, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. The Lord is the only one who we can boast in if we understand the effectual call. If we try to make the effectual call just a general call, what we can do then is we can say, I heard the call and I did my part. You just boasted. You have no part in regeneration. You are regenerated and you are renewed by the Holy Spirit's power or you are not regenerated and renewed at all. Please understand that. This is a specific and special inward call only to God's elect affecting them, changing them. It is a new birth no longer what what you once were. It is a special call to those God desires to be objects of His mercy. I'm thankful that God specifically desired that I be an object of His mercy. Romans chapter 9, as we have already covered in this study, and I told you we would jump to it many times, tells us this. Verse 15, for He says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not, therefore, depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. Who does this depend on? God's mercy. For the Scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, because of this, pay attention, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. I know the defense of the opposition. Well, that's talking about nations. Never has there ever been a nation that wasn't made first of individuals. Never is there a church that is not made up first of individuals. First to Christ and then the brethren who He saves. You see, it's a special calling to those who God desires to be the objects of His mercy. You receive mercy in Christ through the fact that He has Monergistically and sovereignly regenerated you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Rejoice. Don't feel bad about it. That I cause us to humbly get on our knees and say, Thank you, Lord. You chose me to be an object of your mercy when you could have and should have chosen me to be an object of your wrath. That's what I deserve. This is beyond just a mere rejectable invite, but it's a specific choosing. In fact, Jesus in Matthew chapter 22 gives a beautiful parable about a wedding banquet. At the end of that, he says this. You can go back and read the parable. For the sake of time, I'll just read you the end. At the end of this parable, he says this in Matthew 22, verse 14. For many are invited, the general call, but few are chosen. Pay attention to that, man. Many are invited, but few are chosen. We are going to spend our lives, I pray, proclaiming and inviting people to come to Christ, the general call of the gospel. But few of them will be chosen. Few of them will be effectually called and regenerated unto new life. This is beyond the mere rejectable invite of the general call, a specific, special choosing by God. Psalm 65 verse 4 says this. The psalmist gets it. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. Even the psalmist understood the election of God. Those who He chooses and brings unto Himself in your courts, we are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. It is a spiritually inward call and a specific and special inward call. It's also a sanctifying call inward call. I want you to pay attention to this. We talk about the effectual call. It's sanctifying. What does it do? It sets God's people apart from sin and the world. Weren't you at one time in sin and in the world? If you have been effectually called unto new birth in Christ, you are now separate from the world. That's what sanctified means. You have been set apart from the world. We are talking about our positional sanctification here. We'll talk about practical sanctification in just a moment. But if you went through the men's Bible study, you heard about these two things over and over again in a particular section there that we studied. John chapter 15 gives us insight into this. Verse 18, here's what Jesus says. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is... You do not belong to the world. Can I just stop for a second and say this? If you claim to be one of the elect and you still fit in with the world, you need to check yourself. You need to check yourself this evening. If you are the same as you have always been, you have an issue. You may have heard the general call, but you must be born again. He says if you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world but I have, watch what Jesus says, chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. You want to know why the world hates Christians? There's your answer. Because of the effectual call of God on their lives. That he has chosen them out of the world. Out of the captivity of sin. The world doesn't understand that. They just see that you're different, that you were set apart. You're chained you're reborn. They don't know those terms. They don't know how to describe it. But they hate you for it. What did Jesus say? Remember, they hated me first. Because the Father sovereignly chose that the Son also be set apart from the world. And that he come to this earth and that he offer himself as a substitutionary atonement for the sins of many. And they hate us because he loves us and we love him. See in your life if you have been set apart by this effectual call. First Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, as a Spirit who through the effectual calling through regeneration sets us apart sanctifies us to what obedience to Christ Jesus and sprinkling and sprinkling by his blood grace and peace be yours in abundance there in that intro to that epistle peter lays it out there plainly we are chosen by god we are elected by god we are then effectually called by god Producing sanctification, change in our lives. It's a sanctifying inward call, where God sets you apart from what you once were to what He desires for you to be in Christ. First Peter chapter 2, Peter speaks again on the subject. 1 Peter 2, verse 4 As you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. And a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobeyed the message, which is also what they were destined for. Pay attention to that. But you, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. You're still living in darkness? You're not in light. If you're still of the world, you have not yet been sanctified by the renewal that the Holy Spirit produces through the effectual call and through regeneration. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. How glorious that is. What he's saying? Both of the accounts that Peter gives, the chosen people of God will be a sanctified people. Because this inward call produces that effect. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Flip over there in your Bibles. Write this down. Mark it down. Highlight it. Verse 9 says this. Let's back up to verse 8. But join me, with su- join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us. And called us to a holy life. Now, let's decide. Is this called here? Is that the general call? Or is that the effectual call? He's called us to a holy life. That word holy is sanctified. It is set apart. He has called us to a set apart life. He's talking about the effectual call on the true elect. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. If you don't know how to understand something in context, there's your context. He's definitely talking about the effectual call of the elect. But it has now appeared. It has now, excuse me, been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He said it is a sanctifying inward. The effectual call of God is uniquely internal, and it is uniquely unseen, but it produces the results that God has desired in eternity past for His holy and chosen people. How can you be a holy and chosen people and there be no sanctification in your life? There is nothing that has set you apart and made you different. You're not a holy people at all. You're just like all the other people. So we look at the effectual calling. It is internal, invisible by its nature. Now we move to the third thing, the irresistible drawing of the effectual call. And this is why many people would say that it is irresistible, and it is. The elect ultimately will never be able to resist the effectual call because God's will will not be thwarted haven't we learned that over and over and over again in our studies but to understand this let's give a quick exposition of John chapter 6 right and just a portion of that we're going to look in verse chapter 6 verse 37 we'll begin it's interesting that John chapter 6 Jesus covers all five doctrines of grace in this small little portion of Scripture. Watch what he says here. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. You say, Kirk, you have used this passage of Scripture on every single one of these doctrines of grace so far, and I will use it again next week when we get to the preservation or the perseverance of the saints because they all will persevere. They all will be raised up at the last day. But as we look at this today, I want us to see the doctrines of grace as being taught by Jesus here. I want us to see the irresistible drawing of the effectual call. All that the Father gives me will come. They will come. That's for people who say this, and I have them say this to me all the time. I, I, you know, I can kind of believe in those doctrines, but man, I don't know about irresistible grace. All will come. I'm not a real smart guy, but I can tell you this: all will come means this. All will come. Jesus says it very plainly, very clearly. He says, "I'll never." Drive anyway, anyone away who comes. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Here's the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me. All of the assigned seats in heaven will receive an effectual call. All of them. You've heard me say many times, there will be no empty seats at the marriage supper of the Lamb. All of of the elect, will be there. Why? Because it is ordained by God. It is executed by God. Verse 44 of that same chapter 6, what does he say? No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Who comes to Christ? Those who the Father draws. But what if you reject you can't if it is the effectual call. Why? Because I will raise him up at the last day. Who is him? The elect. Who are they all? The elect. How many of the elect will be saved? Every single one of them. It's not up for discussion. Their names have already been written in the book of life since the foundations of this world. It's ordained by God. Job 42, verse 2. Job says this, and how clear this is. I know that you can do all things, and no plan of yours can be thwarted. It's ordained by God. It's going to happen. And we know that salvation is ordained by God. Those He foreknew, He did predestine. Those He predestined, He called. Those He called, He justified. Those He justified, He glorified. We know that it is ordained by God that the elect be saved. So there's nothing that anyone can do to mess the effectual call up. It's ordained by God. Man's total depravity, as I told you, all these things work together. Man's total depravity shows that man is dependent upon God's grace if he will be saved. Our total depravity proves there must be a specific call from God to quicken our dead, sinful soul. God's sovereign and unconditional election. It guarantees the salvation of the elect. The fact that He has preordained in eternity past to call those upon which He has chosen by His own will. Christ's definite atonement secures salvation for the elect, just as we learned last week. And the effectual call it awakens it quickens dead and sinful man to life oh what a clear example we have of that in John chapter 11 as Jesus raises Lazarus from the grave we know this Jesus didn't raise Lazarus to spiritual life he rose raised him to physical life but he gave us a great picture there of the effectual call Lazarus could not have raised himself from that tomb. He was bound in grave clothes. He was already stinking. But yet Christ spoke his name. My sheep, they hear my voice, and they follow. He spoke his name, and Lazarus came up out of the tomb. That is physical. We know that. But look what John chapter 5 tells us in verse 21. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He is pleased to give it. Here He is clearly talking about spiritual life. He gives life to those He is pleased to give it to. The effectual call awakens and quickens the dead and sinful man to life. It's not only ordained by God, it's also orchestrated by God. Every element taken care of by God. I'm thankful for that. Because if I had any part in it, I would surely mess it up. It's all taken care of by God. Ephesians 1 verse 11, In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out a few things, some things, handful of things. No, man, we know it doesn't say that. It says everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. If God, in eternity past, willed that Kirk Hall be saved, Kirk Hall will be effectually called unto new life through the effectual call because he works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. The glory of God. It's orchestrated by Him. God wills the salvation of His people. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. That's for all the people who want to not believe in the effectual call and say, that I can hear the general call and then I can by my own good free will, which you don't have, we've already established that, I can then choose Jesus as He stands there impotently waiting for you just to choose Him. Or you can believe what the Bible says, that it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. God wills the salvation of his people. That's what the effectual call proves. John chapter 10, verse 1, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. Just as we saw him call Lazarus by name. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. You didn't follow Christ until he called you out effectually. When he called you out effectually as one of his sheep, you heard his voice Because he called your name, and what was your response? You followed. Many people hear the general call, but they don't respond. Why? They don't belong to Christ. They are not his sheep. He calls only his sheep unto himself and none other. Verse 14 of that same John chapter 10 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. The only way that we know him is because he knows us. Just as John said, we love because he first loved us. He shows us that love. He quickens us to see that love through his effectual call. Don't miss that. Know the difference. John chapter 10, verse 24. Watch what he says here. Those who are not his sheep, The Jews gathered, Round him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? You are the Christ. Tell us plainly. These are not his sheep. That's who these are. Jesus answered, I did tell you. How did he tell them? Watch this. Through the things that he did, through the message that he preached. But you do not believe the miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. But you do not believe, watch this, pay attention. Pay attention. Not because you didn't hear a general call. You don't believe because you are not my sheep. You don't believe because I haven't effectually called you. You're not mine. He makes that so clear there. There are those who are not his sheep. Though they hear the general call, though they might intellectually see who Jesus is, they may even say, as many do, he was a good man and a miracle worker. Great. I'm glad you acknowledge that. But then yet, they don't believe. They're not called with the internal effectual and efficacious call of his elect sheep. They are not his. Because God works the salvation of his people. Ephesians 2.8.9, we know it, most of us, by heart, don't we? We know what it says. We know what it means. For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. This is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. Why? So we see it again, so that no one can boast. Oh, time and time and time again, I hear the people boasting of how they walked an aisle and how they made a decision and how they chose Christ. You're missing what the Scriptures really teach. You have no room to boast. If you have truly been saved, it is because of His grace in saving you. That is it. He calls those who are truly His to receive that grace. Please don't forget that salvation is a work of God's grace, man. Just as Jonah realized, God graciously saved him and placed him in the belly of that fish. Jonah chapter two verse nine. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I what have what I have. Excuse me. Vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah understood that. This is all God. It was God who sovereignly saved him from certain death. Psalm three verse eight. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Where does deliverance come from? From the Lord. You see, all of this is orchestrated by God for His grace, the effectual call, unconditional election, all of it. Psalm 37, verse 39, the salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. Why am I saying all that? I'm saying all that because those that God has set as objects of His saving grace will be saved by a saving God. They will be effectually saved and irresistibly drawn to the Savior by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number four, we move quickly. The indisputable evidence of the effectual call. Now that we kind of have an understanding of what it is, what does it look like? What is the evidence of this? What is the evidence of the unseen effectual call? We must know this because in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it says, To make your calling and election sure. I would encourage all you men, make your calling and election sure. Romans 8, 28 lays this out for us. Those of you who studied Romans with us, you know this passage. It is that golden chain of salvation. Look what it says here. Verse 28, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. Verse 29, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. The effectual call in a man's life indicates regeneration and new birth. There are many people who say this, that I don't want to believe in a God who drags us to him kicking and, what do they say, screaming, right? How many times have we heard that because we teach what we teach? We believe what we believe. That's what we teach. That is totally contrary to what we teach or any of these doctrines that we are covering teach. We teach that the biblical new birth results in a complete changing of our nature and will. It's not that he drags us against our will, kicking and screaming. The effectual call is used by God to awaken us to regenerate us so that our will, which once was for ourself and our sin, is changed to a will to please and to follow God. Now, that is consistent with Scripture. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Who's doing this? God. And if you have been effectually called and reborn, your will has changed. If you're truly saved in this room, you have to testify to that. My will changed. It's not that God drug me onto himself kicking and screaming. He changed my will through regenerating me and quickening my dead soul. And he changed my will so that I desire to surrender to him, to repent of my sin, to follow Christ, to trust him as my savior, to believe this is all a gift of God's grace. I'm a new creation, not because of me, but because of him, just as 2 Corinthians five seventeen speaks of us when he calls us a new creation speaking of how all of the old things are gone. and Behold, all things have been made new. A.W. Pink states in a book called The Glory of Christ, if you haven't read it, read it. It says this, coming to Christ is the turning of the whole soul to Him. He understands this, that it is God turning our whole soul to Him. How does He do that? The effectual call. He calls us to repent and to turn to him and to follow him and to believe him and to trust him. And it is a turning of the entire soul. Pink goes on to teach these principles, the three principles of the soul. The fact that there are those three principles to our soul. The understanding, the affections, and the will. All of which have been affected by original sin. Because we are totally depraved, like we have established, all of those principles have also been affected by sin, our understanding, our affections, and our will. And they must be awakened by God so that we can believe and follow Christ. We can't do this on our own because our soul is what, Men? Dead in sin and in transgression. No man will come to Christ If he is still incapable and ignorant in his understanding of Christ. No man will. No man can. No man will come to Christ if he has no affectionate love for Christ. Why would you? No man will come to Christ if he is opposed to Christ. You know, the Bible teaches that we are all of these things in our natural sinful nature. We're all of those things. Ignorant. Unloving to God. And enemies toward God. We're in opposition to Him in our very dead souls. We must be born again. This is the effectual call producing the result of regeneration. We must be born again. God doesn't make us or force us to understand, does He? No, He gives us understanding, He graciously enlightens us to the truth. When he calls us out of darkness, he brings us into light. We see the truth. Why? Because of us? No, because of him. He opens our blinded spiritual eyes to see. Countless scriptures remind us that our eyes spiritually are blind. It is he that opens our eyes. He is the one who heals the blind. God doesn't make us love him. For those people who say, well, well, you people who are Calvinists teach that God just forces his love upon you doesn't work like that. He loves us first. He makes that clear in his effectual calling unto us. And I have loved you before the foundations of the earth, and I have done everything and gone to the greatest extent on the cross to show you that love. For it is in the cross where he demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 tells us Christ died for us. God doesn't make us love him. He loves us first. That's what John says, I love why? Because of the love that he has loved me with. God doesn't force us to him against our will, as many would say. He simply gives us a new will. How beautiful is that, that I was once an enemy opposed to God of my own will. For all you people who want free will, your free will will be opposed to God. Your free will will prove that you are an enemy of God, and a friend of the world, and a sinner. But I'm thankful that God, through His effectual call, doesn't force me to do anything against my will. He gives me a brand new will. He takes my heart of stone. And as Ezekiel said, He gives me that heart of flesh, that desires to walk with Him, to represent Him, to bring Him glory. The new birth that comes from the effectual calling will always precede our belief just like the new birth precedes John 3.16. We see in John chapter 3, the first verses all the way down to 15 talk about the new birth. You must be born again. You must hear the effectual call before you can ever believe. New birth always precedes belief. So in order to see and believe on Christ, there must be an effectual call and a regeneration and a quickening to new life in Christ first. Because you are dead and you are blind in your sin. There must be the healing of your deadness. There must be the healing of your blindness. How can I know that the effectual calling has taken place in my life, that I have truly been regenerated? Go back to Romans chapter 8, what we read a moment ago. I read it for a purpose. Those... God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those He predestined, He also called, those He called, He also justified, those He justified, He also glorified. There are so many things that fit in between those major things, but let's look at this. How can one know that the effectual calling has taken place and that they have been regenerated? Let's look at faith and repentance. I put those two together because they can't be separated. Faith and repentance. People fight all the time over what order. I don't care what order, just as long as they're both there together. Faith and repentance. Because if you have been effectually called, you will have faith in Jesus Christ, and you will repent of your unbelief, and you will repent of your sin, and you will turn to Christ and Christ alone. Therefore, producing what we know as justification. And how are we justified? We are justified by grace through faith and that alone. And in our justification, we are declared righteous. We are declared righteous because of the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, leading to the next step in this chain, adoption. We are then adopted and accepted as sons. Now, watch how that all just happened. In an instant, Invisibly, I was called, I was there, I was an enemy of God, a sinner to the utmost degree. God, who is rich in love, rich in mercy, called me out of the darkness of my sin, awakening my dead soul to see my depravity. Awakening faith that I would believe, giving me the power through the Spirit that I would repent of my unbelief and my sin and turn to Christ and be justified. What is that? Declared righteous by God. I have been declared righteous by God, not because of anything that I have ever done. Then he takes this once sinful enemy and he calls me his son. Son. Then... The work of sanctification continues in me by the Holy Spirit of God who lives in me, who came to indwell me at salvation, conforming me to the image of Christ, just as the plan of God set out to do in eternity past. The imputed righteousness now becomes imparted righteousness. The man who once had a heart of stone has a heart of flesh, and he is living a holy life, bringing glory to God because of the grace and the mercy of God. And then he goes on and he talks about glorification. That one day I will be perfected in Christ. And when he talks about that, he talks about that in past tense as if it has already happened. If you have been effectually called You can bank on this. You are as good as glorified, perfected in Christ, clothed in his righteousness for all eternity. Oh, what truth we see in this. We could never exhaust these things. I hope I just have given you a little bit to chew on tonight. But I want to close with this. How does this work in real time? I want you to see that because this is often what people don't understand. How does this work in real time? The general call, the effectual call, regeneration, how does this work for real? Remember when you were in school and the teacher would give you this big equation and you're, you would ask, can you just tell me how this works in the real world? How does this work? Matthew chapter 11, interesting verse there. Actually, two verses we'll look at. So I want you to pay attention to 27 before you get to 28. says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. This is Jesus speaking. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. So it is Christ choosing to reveal the Father. That is part of the effectual call. when He reveals God unto your soul. Watch what he says in verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Maybe when we see verse 28, which we know is that general call. Many people misuse this. and They say, He says, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden or heavy burdened and I'll give you rest. That means that, that God calls all men to be saved. Can I promise you this right now? If God effectually called all men to be saved, all men would be saved. This is a general call. How does the general call work in the real world in affecting an effectual call? So maybe this general call falls on deaf ears. You hear, come unto me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Maybe you hear these words from Jesus, and you say this, I'm not weary. I don't need rest. I like my life. I like my sin. In fact, I enjoy my sin. In fact, I save my money up so I can sin. I enjoy it so much. In fact, my whole life is about me and I like it that way. You know what your problem is? You're not weary. You're not burdened over your sin. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. Oh, the man who is not being effectually called is not weary or burdened over his sin. He hears the gospel and says, I don't need that. However, that person who hears the gospel, maybe you hear these words from Jesus and He reveals to you just how weary that you really are because of sin. He reveals to you, in fact, the toll that sin has taken on you. He reveals to you how sin has separated you from your Creator and alienated you from a holy God. Perhaps He shows you that the life He once enjoyed has now brought you great misery and pain. And perhaps he shows how much of a burden that weight is. Oh, many of you have read the Pilgrim's Progress. I encourage you to do that. Christian in that story has that burden of sin that he carries. But finally, he is able to carry that burden to the cross of Jesus Christ. He's allowed to do that by the grace of God. Perhaps you hear this general call and this time, you realize how sinful you really are. Oh, do you see the difference how the general call and the effectual call work, but yet how they work together? You'll never hear the effectual call without first hearing the general call. Into your ears come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And when you hear that call in your ears... If it is effectual what is going to happen, God is going to quicken you to see that you are weary, and you are burdened, and you are sinful, and you do need Christ to save you. And without Christ, you will perish in hell, and the wrath of God will be placed upon you forever. And then in that moment, you cry out to Christ to save you. Do you see the difference between the general call and the effectual call? The effectual call produces the desired effect of God, the salvation of His sheep, the elect. Most of you men are here today because you have heard both. You've heard the general call, the gospel. And in that general call, God used that to awaken you and to show you just how dead you are in your sin. And with that, he regenerated you, and He renewed you, and He breathed life into you and gave you faith to believe and to trust in Jesus Christ. Oh, if you were that man who is here today, who many times you have heard the general call of the gospel, but today you hear this, and for the first time you say, yes, I am a wretched sinner. Oh, what a wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's the only one who can deliver you. Today, when you hear that call, and He gives you the faith to believe and the faith to trust, the strength and power to repent, know that you have been effectually called, that you have been truly saved as you surrender to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, turning to Him and to Him alone. Men, as many will lie to you and tell you that you are the captain of your own ship or the master of your own destiny, you are neither. You're neither. You're solely dependent upon God's sovereign and effectual grace and salvation to save your wretched soul. Cry out to Him be saved this very day let's pray together father in the name of jesus we come to you thanking you so much for your grace and your mercy and salvation why is it so beautiful to us because we can look at it and know that is not because of anything that we could ever do that we could ever praise ourselves or pat ourselves on the back for but it is because of your grace and your mercy and we can give you all the glory for that god i thank you that you have in my life effectually called me producing the fruits of repentance and faith and sanctification, justification, and adoption. Lord, as I look forward to glorification one day, all of your grace, and I thank you for it. God, I pray for the soul who's here tonight, who many times has heard the general call, may you be gracious tonight. And effectually call them into new life and repentance and faith, trust in Jesus Christ, that they would be saved this very day. We pray and we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope that you have grown through the teaching of God's Word. If you would like to find out more information about Key Life Fellowship, visit our website, keylifefellowship.com, or you can email us at info at keylifefellowship.org. We would love for you to join us in person. Our men's Bible study meets every Thursday night at 7 p.m. here at the Key Life Fellowship campus located in New Caney, Texas. Or feel free to join us at one of our Sunday worship services as well. As we conclude today's lesson, I will leave you with one reminder. Go out and be the light in a lost, dark world.